for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. So this is week two in our series, The Holy Spirit, a brief look at his power and ministry in our lives. And When we came to Christ, one of the things that happened is that the Spirit moved into our hearts. And so the message today is is called the the Holy Spirit lives in us. So the way I moved home after university back into my mother's house, the Holy Spirit moved into our hearts when we believed the gospel. And this was actually something God promised to do. Ezekiel 36 says, this is God's promise, I will cleanse you from all your impurities and all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. That's why you hear a lot around our church will say that your heart is new, because it is. It's God's promise, a new heart with new desires, a, a wanting to follow God and obey him and love others. That's what it means to have a new heart. I will Remove your heart of stone. That's that dead heart that hated God, wanted nothing to do with God. And I will give you a heart of flesh. Again, that's alive. I will place my spirit, here it is, within you. See why I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit lives in us? And cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. So the Spirit lives in us and now I can even obey God and do what God wants me to do. And then Jesus says this in John. John 16, there it is. I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor or helper to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because, he, because, uh, because it does not see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. The promise of the word is that the spirit lives in us, and the promise was fulfilled. Just take a look at verse 8. It says, those who, are, uh, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So that's talking about the unbeliever, unable to please and live a life that brings glory to God. But watch this. You, however, are not in the flesh, but, here's contrast, but In the spirit. It's another way of saying the spirit lives in us. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So here you see Paul saying that the spirit lives in us. This this, in the spirit, this phrase could be translated controlled by the spirit or governed by the spirit. That's why believers are called spiritual people. Because the Spirit resides in us. And so he tells us about our present 
reality. And this present reality, this spirit residing in us, comes with some benefits. Here's the big thing I want us to take away today. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Here comes the benefits. That means we can have peace about the future, and I'm going to show you why, and victory over sin. And my aim in the message is to show you why we should have peace about the future and how we can defeat sin. And so there's this theme in this passage that's got this this idea of victory all over it. And it's this idea that because the Spirit lives in us, the believer can live a victorious Christian life. We can win. Verse 10. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Now, when he says here the body is dead, this is, this is this reminder that death comes to all, that all people are going to die. See, the, the believer is no longer a slave to sin, but we still die because of sin. Romans 5 says, sin entered the world through one man. That's talking about Adam, Genesis Three, and death through sin. So when they, they sinned, death entered into the world. In this way, death spread to all people. Why? Because all have sinned. There isn't a single person in the world who has not sinned. That means every single person needs Jesus Christ because Jesus is the one who gives us forgiveness for our sins. And so the unbeliever, there is your word. We've all sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. Yet God sent his son to die in our place. Live for us. So forgiveness is available. So we all die. That's true. But for the believer, death is not the end. So death comes to all, but death is not the end. And you're like, where do you get that? Verse 11 says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, which he does, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. See, I'm not making stuff up. It's right there in the text. The spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit who lives in us, here's the first thing, will raise us to life. That's what's promised. What the Spirit did for Jesus Christ, he will do for us. The text says he will bring our mortal bodies to life. And again, that's because the Holy Spirit is powerful. And because he is sovereign, we look towards this reality. And resurrection includes transformation. We will be raised to new and glorious bodies. That's what we are going to get, a totally transformed body that is liberated. And you're like, liberated from what? Liberated from weakness, liberated from disease, liberated from pain, liberated from death and decay. See, our, our, our future, the scriptures tried to tell us, is going to be better than our present. And we've got to hold on to that. Revelation 21 says, Then I saw heaven and the new, the new heaven and the new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, 
and the sea was no more. And I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, it says, God's dwelling place is with humanity. And he will live with them. We will be with God. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will, here it comes, wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. I love this part. Then the one seated on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. New reality is what is ahead of us. And he also said, write these because these words are faithful and true. We can hold on to those, this promise. It is true. We are going to experience it. And it says that in verse 10, the spirit, don't want us to miss this, gives life because of righteousness. You see that in the text? Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Now, this is talking about the righteousness of Christ. And this is a righteousness that was given to us as a gift, his perfect life given to us when we believed the gospel. See, on the cross, when Jesus gave his life, one of the things that he won for us was life. And his resurrection actually guarantees and promises our resurrection. John 14 says, in a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, you will see me. And he says, because I live, you will live too. Jesus agrees with Paul. Paul agrees with Jesus. We are going to live. His resurrection promises ours. Now on the screen is a picture of the 401 in Islington. Now, if you've driven on this thing, it's the worst highway in the world, I think. And this part of the highway is usually a bottleneck, but at the 401 in Islington, when you're going east, when you get to Islington, it starts to dip. Now, a couple years back, I was in the car with my, my good friend Ray. He lives out on the west coast now, and he had this rickety old beat-up Jeep. And so we're going down the 401, and then all of a sudden, there's just this big noise. And I'm like, what is that? And then he looks at me and he goes, Marv. I'm like, what? He's going like this. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, the brakes aren't working. So I'm like, what would you say? So I'm thinking a couple things. One, can I jump out and survive? And two, am I going to meet Jesus? Because if I jump out, I might get hit by a car. And remember the tip I told you about. And so we're going, and, I'm, we're, and he's looking at me, I'm looking at him, he's looking at me, I'm looking at him, and it's just two fools in the car. 
And we're coming, and I'm thinking, here it is. Like, we're doing 100. Like, this thing is not going to stop. But in some sort of miraculous miracle, it just starts to slow down. And then eventually it slows down enough that he could throw it into like the guardrail, which you can kind of see in the, in the picture. He puts it on the left side, and just before we go down, it stops. Right? I'm your, I'm your pastor right now because of that moment, right? I made it. But what I can tell you is peace, uh, sorry, panic turned to peace. And the peace, you're like, why are you telling me that story? Because the peace that I felt in that Jeep on that day is the peace that every believer should feel when they think about their future. Because our future is secure, it's guaranteed. Jesus as Martina song, we are going to make it home. We are going to be resurrected. And so this should give believers peace. And I want to show you some of the ways it should give us peace. It should give peace to the believer who is experiencing grief over the death of a, of a believing family member. Why should it give you peace? Because you will see them again. It's not the end. There's going to be a day where you're going to be reunited. To the believer who is fearing death, death is not the end. That's why the Bible says, death, where is your sting? It has no power over us. And so we don't, that doesn't mean we should live recklessly and all that sort of stuff, but we shouldn't be gripped by fear over death. If you truly believe that Jesus Christ is alive, that the, that the Bible is true, that your gospel reality is secure, there is nothing to fear. And that means we can just live our lives with peace and to the believer living with permanent illness. And I, I'm not saying, I, I always want to try to make sure I say this, my heart here is not to be insensitive. I don't know what it's like to live with a permanent illness, to, to know that struggle. At this point in my life, that could change. And so this is not coming from a place of being insensitive, but you need to understand and hold on that your body will be redeemed. That we are not going to be sick forever. That's not going to be that way, that we are going to have a new and glorified body. When, it, when we come to faith, the scripture says that the spirit moves into our hearts. And, and some other crucial things happen when the spirit moves into our, our life. When, 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 the, when we believe and embrace the gospel, we, we get the Holy Spirit, but we're also immediately justified. And then we enter into the process of sanctification. So I'm counted righteous in Christ as soon as I believe the gospel. And then God starts working on us. And then we're promised glorification. The work that he starts, he's going to finish. Now, that second one, number two, we enter the process of sanctification, is what Paul talks about in these next few verses. And it's important for us to understand the process of sanctification. So in our sanctification, there's salvation past. We have positional holiness or righteousness. That's that justification again. 
That's why you'll notice, if you notice the New Testament, it always says, to the saints. One of my favorite things about the Bible, right? I say this all the time. We are saints who sin. The primary way the Bible talks about us is that we're not sinners. We are saints who sin. And we need to hold on to our identity because when we do that, then we're like, wait, what am I doing living like this? I'm going back to the old way. That doesn't make any sense. We're called saints. God has made us his own. We belong to Jesus, and he holds us. Then there's salvation future. We will experience final holiness or righteousness. That's glorification. Our love will be perfected. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Talked about it last week. We will see God face to face. Come back one second. And his work in us will be done. Okay, now you can go forward. And then there's salvation present. We're progressing in holiness and righteousness. See, for the believer, there's always this already and not yet reality that we live in, right? That's the theological way to think about it. There's the already and the not yet. We're waiting on some things. So we're progressing in sanctification. And here's the thing. God is using the trials. Think about the times we live in right now. God is using the trials, because that's what we're in, the temptation, and the troubles of life to make us like Christ. Here's how all of this comes home to the message today. You're like, what's the point of all this? We are called to cooperate with the Spirit in the sanctification process. That's what we're called to do. And that is what Paul talks about. Look at verse 12. So he says, all of this glorification Resurrection is coming. You are going to be resurrected just like Jesus Christ. And then he says, so then, in light of all that I've said, right, this is a good way to read the Bible. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. The word obligated is important because it tells us that our flesh thinks we owe it something. But the way the OSAP-free student, or OTRAP as I like to call it, owes nothing to the government, and the way the mortgage-free person owes nothing to the bank, we owe nothing to the flesh. Zero at all. We have been set free. And something that we have to sort of really kind of hold on to and dig into is that the, my flesh has no power over me. And every time we choose to sin, hear me on this, every time we choose to sin, we are going back to slavery. We are going back to an old way of living that Jesus has liberated us from, and we don't have to. I want to show you something that should get you very excited. Look at verse 13. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. That's why we want to actively put it to death. You're like, why, why do I want to? Because there's the reality of spiritual death. That's what it's talking about. This separation from God for all eternity. Our life is at risk. But if by the, sorry, so 
Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. And the person who, I want to clarify this, this is really important. The person who continues on just giving themselves to the flesh, giving themselves to the flesh, evidences themselves that the spirit actually is not in them. So that's why there's this spiritual death. Again, we got, got to be very clear, careful in our theology. You can't lose your salvation. But if there's a continual habit of sin, it's a sign that you may not have it. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Holy Spirit who lives in us gives us the power to defeat sin. We can have victory. Now this phrase here, put to death, is actually in the present tense. It is speaking of, an, of, of, of ongoing activity. It's like exercise. You do it over and over and over. We don't just put the flesh to death once. It's a regular habit in our lives. I want you to, again, listen to me on this. We cannot eliminate the desires of the flesh, but we can kill the deeds of the flesh. We will always... Always, because we're in these old sinful bodies that's waiting to be glorified. We will always feel the pull of the flesh. But we can kill its expression. And when we do this, something extremely important happens. Let me show you. Look down at verse 14. For all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you re received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself, here it is, testifies together with our spirit that we are children of God. When we actively kill sin in our life, the Holy Spirit gives us assurance of our salvation. The Holy Spirit gives us assurance that we're actually in the family of God. That's, that's crucial for us. Now, a good question to ask is, what are the deeds of the body? Right? He's talking about the deeds of the body, the deeds of the body. What are they? Galatians 5 says, now the works or the deeds of the flesh, the body, are obvious Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, and carousing, and anything similar. These are the things that we are to actively put to death by the Spirit. That's what it says in the text. And we need to understand that the, the Spirit is the one who gives us victory over sin. Now, the way a construction worker puts on a hard hat, I want to put on my counseling hat. I'm going to try to be like Pastor Yogi up here. I'm going to show you, I want to show you how this works. Because I, 
I want, us, I, I want to be practical. I want to help us. I want us to have the victory. So we need to understand, how does this actually work? Because notice he says, put to death the deeds of the body, but it doesn't actually give you the, the steps. So I want to give you some. Here's first, how do we end up committing sin? So the old sinful flesh tells us a lie. I'll give you an example. If you explode in anger, it will get someone to do what you want, and you will feel good. That's the lie. And then we believe and then act on the lie. And then the results come. More anger and frustration. Broken relationships. Hurt feelings. Loss of trust. You can put any example in there. Just go, like, when you guys get home and those who are home watching on screen, just, just try it. And just work it out. And you, we need to remember, sin deceives and is deceiving. That's what it does. It deceives us into telling, into thinking, we are going to get good results. And then when we take the step, we get terrible results. And then do you know what happens? Satan then starts to pile on and starts to speak more lies and bring shame and this feeling of condemnation and judgment. Like, you, you, God can't love you for those kinds of actions. You can't be a Christian behaving like that. That's what starts to come. But when we're in the middle of the temptation, we get blind to all of that. And then we step in. And then we have to deal with the consequences that come from that. It's so important to understand that, that a believer will never uh, be punished for sin. Because that's been uh, taken care of by Jesus Christ. But we will always have to live through the consequences of our sin. Here's how we defeat sin. The Holy Spirit reminds us of the truth from the word. Right? So this is how, it, that, this is how the Spirit work who lives in us. He reminds us, he says, here's a truth from the word, and I'll give you one. A gentle answer turns away anger, but a harsh word stirs up wrath. Proverbs 15.1. Then we believe and then act on the truth. And then the results come. Peace and understanding, not strife. Sometimes it's just clarifications happen. Then there's restored relationship. Maybe we're in a conflict and now it's, it's working itself out. And then growth comes and character comes. See, what you need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is always leading us to solid results. That the flesh is taking you down a bad path, but the Spirit who resides in our heart is leading us down the good path where the results, good results come. Let's get the next one. So, Two things to remember. What we believe always informs our actions. Thinking leads to doing. What we believe informs our actions. And victory over sin comes when we say no to the flesh and yes to the Holy Spirit. That's how victory comes. 
No flesh, you're lying. No, the results won't be good. I'm going to feel terrible, I know that. I'm not gonna feel great if I go down that path. But yes, Holy Spirit, you are living it in me. Yes, you are right. Yes, you're leading me down the right path and to right results. Galatians 5 says, I say then, walk by the Spirit. You're like, how do you walk by the Spirit? Listen to Him. And you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. We can have victory. The Christian needs to hold on to that. There's not this perpetual defeat that we live in. We can win in the battle against sin. Walk by the Spirit. So when temptation comes, we should slow down and ask, what lie am I being tempted to believe? We just, again, again, it's so important. Thinking is so important. When temptation comes, what lie am I being told right now by Satan and by my flesh? And I'm tempted to buy in. And then I need to ask, what truth is the Holy Spirit reminding me about right now? Don't you find sometimes when temptation comes, a Bible verse just pops into your head? What do you think that is? That's the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, listen, Marv. That's God at work. Helping us walk in victory. And when I hear truth from the Holy Spirit, we should humbly walk in the truth. It takes humility. Because sin says, I know best. It takes humility to say, no, God, you know best. And walk in the truth, believing that it will bring solid results. Again, it's all about believing. And the more we do this, the more we will grow in sanctification. The more we obey the Spirit, the more you will see Spirit-filled living in your life. And here's the thing that's so crucial nowadays. It will help our witness. Because the unbeliever looks and they're saying, what's different about you? But when they see growth in character, when they see growth in holiness, when they see a fighting of sin, it helps our witness. They see a difference in our behavior. Tony Evans said, I love this, Paul wants us to kick the flesh to the curb so that we can experience the abundant life God has promised. That's what God wants for us. And that word life in that quote is so important because it reminds us of what the Father, the Son, and the Spirit want for us. Life, abundant life. To live a life of victory now and a life of victory later, which is promised. And so the Spirit comes and He gives us life. We learned that last week new heart reality and then he promises us life and then he gives us the power in the presence to live the victorious life I want us to so understand that we have victory coming and we can have victory now here's what this text does and I'm going to get out of the way It reminds us 
that we are not alone. That God truly is with us, residing in our hearts and helps us live the victorious life and guarantees that we will have more life in the end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for your, uh, your word to us. And Lord, we rest, Father, in the, the powerful reality that the Spirit lives in our hearts and that our future is one that is bright, that our future is one that is filled with hope. Our future is the one that will have joy eternal. It will never come to an end. We are going to a, a party that's going to go on for all eternity. Help us to wait patiently on that, Lord. But Father, we're also living life right now. And I know that my brothers and sisters are like me. They long for more and more victory over sin. Would you give it to us? Thank you for showing us the, the way, Lord God, in the victory. That it's walking by your spirit. That's listening to the Holy Spirit who, who speaks to us actively and guides us as we humbly submit and surrender. So I pray that this week we would not grieve the spirit, but we would follow the spirit. We would not quench the Holy Spirit in our lives, but we would listen to him. And I pray for more and more victory. I pray for more and more growth and sanctification. Help us to believe that you're working, Lord God. Thank you for the word. Help us to walk humbly in it now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit HopeTorontoNorth.com.